I'm Zach Dunlap, pastor of Multisite at Birmingham and Berkeley First. Welcome to Church Folks, the new podcast where we interview folks from our church community about who they are and what God is doing in their lives. Throughout the Bible, people are encouraged to bear witness to what they have seen and heard. Continuing in that tradition, this podcast offers a forum for people to get to know one another and be inspired. Our hope is that the stories of these church folks empower you to share your stories, to inspire others, and to be a part of beloved community together. I'm here today with John Conger. John, what gets you out of bed in the morning? Um, Probably my family. And my wife and kids are my main motivator for most things I do and the best thing that's happened to me. (laughs) What do you love, brother? Um, aside from the family, I would say, uh, um, you know, music, learning, learning how things work, um, is, is a big driver of a lot of the things I do and, and using that to build either music or things or fix things or, you know, create. How have you experienced God at work in your life? Uh, through other people. So if, um, if we believe like God is compassionate and forgiving and patient, um, it's through, you know, kind of like this, hearing the stories of other people that I've become more patient and forgiving and compassionate. Um, and it's, it's really, um, you know, listening to stories through a podcast format, through things like this American life or on being or whatever, um, or just those like face-to-face encounters when we listen to each other and, and hear where we're coming from. And I think it makes us more like God to be able to see uh, where others are coming from and, and understand a different perspective than our own. And we are, we are bearers of the image of God and each one of us bears the image of God uniquely. That's for sure. What, what brought you to church in general and uh, to this church specifically? Yeah. So I, I grew up um, in the Catholic church. So it was a part of, you know, faith and, and worship and that sort of thing was part of, you know, my early years and, and a big part of, uh, you know, a, a source of like comfort for me. So then I would say through, you know, high school, late high school, early college was more of like that existential crisis where like, you know, what is all of this? And, and so, and trying to find a community, especially in those early college days, um, you know, tried, you know, hanging out with the frat people or with uh, the guys who played video games all the time and really found a home in like this little sort of like Christian club at the, at the, at the school. Um, they're just great people to be around, very positive, And I found it a great community to engage with. So that's what really got me into finding church on my own and having my own motivation for, you know, seeking out faith and finding answers and, and sort of thing, that sort of thing. I think, you know, through, let's say 10, 15 years of what I'd call like the American evangelical church experience, I, I became very jaded with, I don't know, some of the, um, I don't know the consumerism aspect of it or the, the, the having the right answer, you know, being part of churches where there is one person with the secret knowledge. And if you get close enough to him or listen or read his books, you know, like you may figure out the secret to life and coming to realize that, you know, no, there isn't one guy who has one answer or one right way to do things. Um, so almost coming out of a place of wanting to start fresh, I found, um, I don't know, the message of Berkeley first and, you know, even more broadly, even just the, uh, United Methodist denomination to be refreshing, to be a place where a diversity of ideas is welcomed, um, a diversity of people are welcomed. Um, seeing um, 
you know, the American church in, in particular, the way uh, LGBT people had been treated um, and, and frankly um, demonized for a long time um, became like a, a real weight on our family's heart. Um, so, and then we, you switch to churches that are welcoming on the surface, but then only allow a certain level of engagement, um, which in some ways seems kind of worse, a bait and switch almost. And so um, seeing that Berkeley First is truly welcome to all people from all backgrounds with all um, and, and allowing them to participate in the work together. That, that was really refreshing to us. And I know, Zach, we reached out to you and I was, I was listening to the podcast or watching the, the Facebook lives and watching some videos and checking this place out. And I noticed, uh, you know, just a, a strong community focus with, uh, you know, I think there was a hurricane disaster at the time and there was a pile of stuff outside that people had dropped off and having things now like the, the food pantry, you know, just a place where that is so community focused um, where I can see my friends and neighbors from the school at church and being part of a neighborhood church was really appealing to me. And then just reaching out to you personally and hearing, you know, the heart of the church and, and what the mission is, it really resonated with us. And it kind of like reinvigorated us. Like, you know, there is, there can be a healthy church community. None is perfect, but, um, it was, it was really refreshing and still remains refreshing. I think we've been here almost two years now. Um, yeah. And it's, it's great to be a part of this community and to help support it and help it grow. I often tell folks if I found the perfect church community, I would screw it up by my mere arrival. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but some of the things that that drew you to this church, you know, drew me to the United Methodist Church too. I did not grow up United Methodist, um, but I love that we are kind of a big tent denomination where people think and let think, and we are united in our love for Jesus and our love for one another, and we don't have to agree on every single thing to sure. make that happen. Um, we can live into that together and we're okay with some of the complexities that that brings along. Yeah. Um, we don't have to be walking in lockstep, you know, in, like you said, following only one particular way of, of being or doing. Um, but sometimes we don't necessarily achieve the answers, but we wind up with better questions by walking in community together. Yeah, for sure. What, what value have you found in Christian community? Um, I think being a part of something bigger than yourself is always important and exciting. Um, having an avenue to, to serve, um, and, and, and give back and, and also just build relationships with people. Um, and then, you know, I guess that, that would describe community in general. Christian community, I think is important because I, don't, I still think Jesus as a person is awesome. <laughs> and, um, earth changing, you know, like, like, like mindset changing the, the, I think we're still 2000 years later trying to really just now starting to understand some of the things that he said, because, you know, we have evolved as a species to the point where we, we, we see, for example, compassion at a level deeper now than we did back then. And, and we're still understanding like, no, he really did mean to love everyone and to forgive everyone. And, and like, and, and so that, that alone is awesome. And I think it, you build an, an incredibly strong community when that's your foundation. John, when have you felt closest to God? Um, I think, you know, times when, really times when I've been alone. So I, I moved a lot as a kid. So starting over fresh in new schools a, a lot and, and, and being, feeling alone or trying to find community. Um, I felt close to God in that aloneness and in the, the, the quietness and stillness of, um, but also in, you know, that first person who I build a connection with. 
I felt close to God in that, like, you know, <laughs> God brought me this new friend or this new connection. And, and that, you know, became a part of this new environment or new place feeling like home. And so definitely, uh, it's kind of almost like a, a paradox in the, in the, in the, the, the times of quietness and being alone, I found God. And then in coming out of it, I I've felt God in those moments too. The opposite of that would be, when have you felt far from God? Yeah. And I think the older I'm getting, the more I feel like it's impossible to be far from God. Um, but the feeling of being far from God is real. And I, and I, I think a lot of that came from people or from, you know, like, for example, like a Francis Chan style of thought where no matter what you do, it's not good enough. You need to pray more. You need to try harder. You need, you're not devotional enough. And then it could make you feel separate from God. You know, that this idea that like, if only I could worship God better, if only I could pray the right way, then I would feel close to God. And that striving, I feel like, you know, it leads to burnout there. You can never be good enough. And I think realizing that God is always there <laughs> is, is the way that you come out of that feeling. Um, just accepting that no matter, you know, how imperfect you are, he is always near, um, resolve that feeling of distance, you know, just accepting that he's there. <laughs> so, yeah. I think that's really profound that, that, you know, God is always there, even if the feeling isn't necessarily there. Sure. Yeah. Um, you mentioned the word striving too. I, uh, was literally just having this conversation with somebody else yesterday <laughs> about, about the, uh, the horror that is striving sure. um, when, when we don't have to do anything to earn God's love. Right. Yeah. John, how do you share God's love with others? Um, I think I have a, a bit of an ability to remain calm in some chaotic situations. So in times when, um, I don't know, there's a lot going on in the world, there's a lot of change happening. So like um, now, for example, for, <laughs> yeah. Um, having, you know, uh, uh, some sense of like peace and perspective on the situation. I feel like there are, there have been times when I've been able to listen to someone's pain or anxiety and help them sort things out or, or, or put things in order and, and see things. Now, the side of me that wants to fix everything always says, now here's the three things you need to do. And I've had to learn to, to not do that so much because that's not always helpful. Just, you know, but I, I think, uh, yeah, it, it's maybe a gift that God has given me to be able to listen and offer some perspective. Now, I don't know the exact amount, but I'm told you have a whole host of patents. How many patents do you hold? So currently 24. Uh, there's probably 10 to 15 pending. Um, all of them are through my work. Um, it's it's what I do. <laughs> it's my job. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's kind of exciting. It's um, being innovative is, is definitely a passion of mine. What does that process even look like? How does someone go about getting a patent? So the, the technicalities of it are pretty simple. You know, you have an idea, you work with a patent lawyer who will help you to describe your idea in excruciating legalese. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and they submit it to the patent office and there are attorneys there who review it and compare it to everyone else's ideas. And if they feel that you've described it in a way that, adds to the current, what they call state of the art, the current technology, um, you are awarded a patent and, um, you have exclusive rights to do that thing for 10 years. Um, one thing that's kind of interesting about it is 
you know, there's this, this sense that like, oh, I have an idea and it's mine and nobody can do it for 10 years. And it's kind of a, I don't know, companies being selfish or people like hogging ideas or so to speak, but really the, the intent of it is um, you're teaching the industry, you're teaching your competitors something new. And in exchange for describing to them exactly how you would do this new thing or exactly how you would make it better, you get the rights to do it for 10 years. <laughs> and then and then it belongs to the public. And so innovation begets new innovations because we're teaching each other. Um, so yeah, it's, it's uh, pretty exciting. <laughs> That's super exciting. Tell us about your creative process. I mean, you are a serial patent holder, 24 with, with more pending. Um, how do you get a hold of an idea in the early stages? Or is it that ideas get a hold of you? Yeah, a lot of a lot of times it starts with just solving a problem. So, you know, for example, something is too expensive or too complicated or too prone to failure or whatever. And so breaking things down like to their fundamental functions, like what does this thing need to do? How can we do it in the fewest number of parts? How could we make this very expensive process cheaper and kind of stripping things back from the way we've always done it, the materials we've always used, the 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 pieces and parts that, that have always been done this way. Um, what is the most efficient way to do something? So a lot of times I'll literally start with a blank piece of paper and, and say, okay, here's, here's the three things this thing needs to do. Everything else is, you know, legacy or so to speak, or, or something that, uh, you know, again, just the way it's always been done and trying to think about things from a new, new perspective, new direction and, uh, uh, um, fr a fresh start basically. Genesis chapter one says that God created humanity in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Now, I don't think that means that God has a nose, two legs, and a clump of hair on top. The Bible also says that God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. I think being created in the image of God has something to do with our understanding, our intellect, our ability to think and to become, in a sense, co-creators with God. Have you ever thought of your creative process as being a gift from God? Hmm. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that I uh, spiritualize it in the moment necessarily, but I definitely agree that there's something really unique about humans on this planet that, you know, animals are, are amazing, but there, there is a leaps and bounds different between the most intelligent animal and, and humans. And I think there is a spark of something divine or whatever, however you want to call it, that gives us this ability to create and then reflect back on the creation. So for example, to make music, to appreciate music, understand what it is about music that stirs our emotions and then exploit that to make better music. <laughs> um, you know, and the same thing goes for technology and, and understanding why, you know, why these groups of molecules act in this way. And therefore I can use that information to make a stronger plastic. And I can use that plastic to make this thing made out of metal lighter. Having this knowledge of the way that things work and using that to build something better, bigger and, and, and evolving, um, I think is what God's doing with us. And it's cool to feel like we're a part of that process to help build this world. <laughs> I love that, that idea of us being a part of the process. What do you think your creative process or our creative processes as humans might have in common with God as creator. Yeah. I think that idea of, um, building things from pieces, you know, I, I see us like, I love the, the image of us being like the hands and feet of God, you know, that 
we are the pieces that not so much that we're like orchestrated or directed like puppets, so to speak, but like we are motivated to be more compassionate and we build communities and we build safe spaces for people and we build, um, you know, um, homes for people, uh, like, like places where people feel safe and welcome. Um, and so, yeah, in the same way we're, you know, it's no different than, like I said, creating mechanical things or electrical things or software or, um, communities. It's all, it's all part of taking pieces, understanding how they work and building something bigger out of it. What advice or encouragement would you give to someone who has ideas rattling around in their brain that they've not yet brought to fruition? Yeah. So I think the biggest thing, the best thing is to share that idea with someone. So, um, of like the 24 plus whatever number pending, um, there's only one patent that only has my name on it. Everyone is a collaboration where I will either have an idea and say, okay, you know, get with a bunch of other engineers and say, what do you guys think of this? And, and vet out the idea. Um, and it's through that, you know, I, I really believe that community creativity is bigger than the individual. And so, um, yeah, we, we, we have different perspectives. We see things in, in different ways and, and we don't see our own shortcomings often. And I'm also a, a really big fan of music and I listen to a lot of instrumental music and, and nowadays with technology, people can build an entire album on their own in their bedroom, playing all the instruments, laying down program, drum tracks, whatever they want to do. And a lot of the guys I follow who do that, you know, they, they make an amazing album. Um, but then they need to go on tour and they, they meet other musicians and they start collaborating with them. And it's, it's inevitable that once they start creating with other people, it gets even better. So yeah, I think, um, people who have ideas, whether they're musical ideas or community building ideas or, you know, literal invention ideas, um, getting with other people and sharing that, um, is the right way to go. And it's, it's how you get your stuff made too. If you want to build something, it's, it's always easier to do it with others. Um, yeah. So again, community is, is what drives, uh, that creative process and gets the ideas flowing. That's awesome. You know, we've, we've talked a little bit about, you know, God as creator and going back to that initial creation story, you know, God, God, God makes something and says, it's good. God makes something else and says, it's good. God creates humanity and says, it is very good. Mm. And then the first not good in all of scripture is when God says, it is not good for the man to be alone. Wow. Yeah. And, and, and even in that moment, I mean, humanity existed in perfect relationship with God. And even then it was not good to be alone, that we really were created not only to be in community with God, but to be in community with each other too. And so what you just shared about, you know, that need to collaborate together, you know, whether it's, you know, for, for an invention or as church community or in our neighborhoods or whatever. Um, I think that's just so beautiful and profound. Mm -hmm. Thanks for that. Yeah. Is there anything else you'd like to share with us today, John? No, that's all. This has been a lot of fun. It's been a ton of fun. <laughs> John, it is truly an honor to talk with you today and a joy to be the church together. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Yes, thank you. That concludes this episode of Church Folks. Thanks for joining us. You can find out more about Birmingham and Berkeley First on our websites, fumcbirmingham.org and berkeleyfirst.org. Take some time this week to share your story 
listen to the stories of others, and look for those points of intersection with the greatest story ever told, the continually unfolding story of God's love in Jesus Christ. Peace.